Philippians chapter 1. Stand with me as you turn. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. I want to read two verses tonight. Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 and 28 um, as you turn there. And uh, Philippians 1, verse 21 or 27, it says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which to them is an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. Read verse 27 aloud with me, would you? Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for the opportunity to be in church on this Sunday evening. I thank you for the wonderful time of fellowship we've had, the opportunity to sing and praise our Lord. And, uh, Lord, you have been so good to us. I pray that you draw our attention to the Scripture tonight. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would stir in our heart, Lord, that we would understand who it was written for and how, why it was written, but also its application to our life, that, Lord, that we would, that you'd open up our eyes this passage scripture this evening and how we can live it. Lord, help us to fall in line with your word tonight. Give me your wisdom. Give me your Holy Spirit power as I preach. I love you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. That verse, it, towards, the, towards the end of the verse, it says, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. With one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Paul was writing back this missionary letter, if you would, to the church of Philippi. And he's, he's writing from prison. He's writing from prison in Rome back to this church at, at Philippi with, it, with this message to them. And, and uh, you know how the church at Philippi had begun. It, it began in a prison, if you will. Paul was there in Philippi, and he was, he was preaching and ministering. The lady that came to Christ, the demons were cast out, and uh, she lost that, uh, that soothsaying ability, and those that were her masters lost their game. And so they got a crowd and uh, risen up against them. And Paul and uh, Paul was thrown in jail. Silas was thrown in jail. They were beaten illegally, by the way. And he was a Roman citizen, tried illegally, beaten illegally, and thrown into jail illegally. And about midnight, they began to praise. I love how in the end of Philippians it said that uh, Paul would say that I may know him, uh, that he might know the fellowship of his suffering. And I, I think that night in that jail cell, Paul and Silas began to realize that they had a small part in what Christ had done for them at Calvary. And as a result of that, they began to rejoice. They began to sing. They began to praise the Lord. And you know what took place about midnight the prison walls were shaken, and the doors were flung open, and they could have they could have escaped with the, they could have escaped, but they didn't. And the jailer went to take his own life, thinking everybody had fled. And of course, Paul would stay his hand, and eventually, the man would ask him, "What must I do to be saved?" And he would come to Christ as a savior, and his household as well, and a church would be begun. Paul wouldn't be there long, and he would go on, and he would go on to minister and serve, and. But he would write back to this church this letter, this letter to the, that church back there at Philippi, and one of these great pass one of these great books. He would say, "Rejoice in the Lord always," and again I say, "Rejoice." He would give tremendous passages on peace and knowing peace in the middle of trial and persecution. But in these verses, he's calling them to something to remember what they were there for to strive together, to strive together for the faith of the gospel. Remember why you're still here. 
Remember, if you will, the purpose of the church, that, that point of, of laboring for the gospel and to get the gospel out, that our, that our fellowship has a reason, our fellowship has a purpose, the reason we're still here, there's a point to it. The Lord could have called us out of this world the moment of salvation. He could have called his disciples home on that Mount of Olive when he ascended up in glory. He could have done all those things, but he didn't. He left us here on purpose. There was a reason this church at Philippi, even in spite of the persecution that they were facing, was still there in Philippi, and it was the gospel of Jesus Christ. He had a point and a purpose for them and a calling that they were to live out in their life. You know, There's a reason, Christian, that you and I are still here. It is the faith of the gospel. I enjoy sports. I enjoy watching them. I used to enjoy playing them a lot. I don't enjoy playing them as much, all right? But I enjoy them. I, I enjoy the idea of one team striving for one goal. There's something enjoyable about it, facing up and against an opposition and, and just going forward in spite of whatever the opposition is and playing towards one purpose and one goal to win a ball game. Paul would use sports over and over again as an illustration throughout Scripture and using it as an illustration in our service for the Lord. And in this passage of Scripture, God calls the church to strive together, to labor together, not to strive with one another, right? Uh, my brother's here tonight, and uh, we, have, we have had strife with one another before, all right? And now we strive together, all right? Now we strive together, and he decided it was better to strive with me and win than to strive against me and lose. I just, that's what it was, you know? He decided on that, and uh, yeah, yeah, well, he's going to so we'll have to, we're, we'll be striving with one another again before long, all right? But we've been called to labor together, to strive together for a common purpose, and God calls the church to that the gospel, to go into all the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And notice some of the things he calls us to in this passage of Scripture. The first thing is we see is our position. In verse 27, it says this, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. He's talking about the gospel's effect on our own life. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one what? One spirit. It's talking about the work that God has already done in our own life. In 1 Corinthians 1, 9, it says, God is faithful by whom ye are called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I read these verses this morning, but 1 John 1, 3, that we which have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. You know, if I were to go around the room and ask you why you cheer for the team you cheer for, most of us would have some kind of story, wouldn't we? At least I hope so, all right? You'd have some kind of story. You know, I, I remember before I moved here, there were certain teams I, I cheered for. I was more of a professional sports person, and it was the Cincinnati Reds. It was the Indianapolis Colts and the Indianapolis Pacers, all right? Any Reds fans in here? I know. There was a few. There we go. Amen. There we go. All right. I grew up in Cincinnati, right? I grew up in Cincinnati. I remember watching those ball games, going to those ball games, and, and I enjoyed it. Went to them with my dad and enjoyed watching them play. And, and because of that, I, I, I grew up around it, and I, I began to cheer for them. I was more of a baseball fan there when we lived in Cincinnati. They had the Bengals there. One year they went to the Super Bowl, and I remember the cheer. Who day, who day, who day think can beat them Bengals? Evidently the 49ers that year, all right? That's who it was, evidently, all right? But, uh, but anyway, it was. I remember growing up cheering for the Reds. We moved to Indianapolis, and 
or to Indiana, and, and I remember that you couldn't, it was a little more difficult to follow baseball there, being farther away from it, but the Colts were there, and it wasn't long after that. Of course, Peyton Manning was there, and all the, the winning started taking place. The Indianapolis Pacers, Reggie Miller, and all the guys that were there, and, uh, and Michael Jordan used to cause us much grief, all right? But I remember watching them and playing. I moved here. You say, why do you cheer for Georgia? I live in Georgia. It's my home, all right? This is my home now. This is where I live. I, I'll cheer for that team, and we have stories for why we cheer for our teams. If you were to travel somewhere and maybe you see a, someone wearing a, a jersey or a, team, or a shirt with a team logo or something, you might say hello to them because you have something in common. This passage of Scripture is reminding us of something. Our position, our position in the Lord, he talks about about the change the gospel has worked in our life. In the, in the beginning of that, he said, only let your conversation. Now, when we think about the word conversation, we think about just the words that we speak, but that's not the implication of this verse. It is everything about us that speaks. It is our life, and in one portion of the place, it refers to it as our citizenship. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that ye stand fast in one spirit. God has done something already in our life, hasn't he? He's done a work in our life. That day for me in May of 1995 at Madera Baptist Church in Cincinnati, Ohio, I came to know Christ as my Savior. When did you come to know Christ as your personal Savior? We have a position in the Lord. We've been granted the grace of God that our conversation would be as becometh the gospel. There is a call. There's a call that our life would reflect on the outside what God has done for us on the inside. Am I right? that our life would be as becometh the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've been saved. You've been sanctified. You've been changed. Let your life be a reflection of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is what the grace of God has done in us is the call. What has the grace of God done for you? And that ought to be reflected in every place of our life. It is what we have in common. It is what brings us to a place of fellowship. It's how people here tonight from all different walks of life can stand together and have something in common, and his name is Jesus, and it's what he did in our life. Our position. Our position in Christ. Because of the grace of God. The grace of God that we have received, and by the way, the grace of God that we are to offer. Am I right? It's not just that I have received grace, but I offer grace. We're going to offer a whole lot of grace to a whole lot of Auburn fans tonight, right? Or whatever fan you are. We're going to offer grace to one another. Am I right? There's not only this call, friend, that I have received grace in my life, but that I offer grace in my life. So the grace that I have received from Christ is the same grace I extend to others in their life because we're of, we, hey, because of our position in Christ. Our position in Christ. I promise you this, you needed grace, and one day you'll need to offer grace. I think in this business of striving together for Christ and laboring for the Lord, the importance of remembering the grace that we have received and the grace that we need to offer. It's an amazing thing to serve God. It's an amazing thing to serve God with God's people. 
There's a call to labor for the Lord. And I think of the different ministries that, that come in the, the place of grace. I think of folks working in the sound booth or in the nursery or greeters or ushers or Sunday school teachers or, or bus workers or greeters at the door or folks who clean or, or Christian school teachers and all of those things. Many different places. And there is a need to recognize that we serve together because of the grace we have received, but at the same time to extend that grace to others. Right? Well, if you're going to serve God, you will have to learn to extend grace. Don't ever forget the grace you received, or you will soon forget to extend grace to those around you. It's a sorry thing to be a recipient of grace, but not an offerer of it. To extend grace to one another. Our position, our position in Christ you have a position in Christ. The someone sitting next to you has a position in Christ. We cheer in that team, we, and we don't just cheer for that team. We serve on the same team. We serve the same Lord with the same purpose. And he calls us to remember the grace that we have received, what God has done in our life to offer that same grace to others. Not only that our position in Christ, but notice our focus. He said in verse 27, that I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit. Then he says this, with one mind. It speaks of our focus, doesn't it? Titus 2, 11 through 12 says this, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Speaks of what God has done in our life, but it doesn't end there, right? It says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of all good works. Second Peter 3, 9 through 14, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Our focus. He speaks of someone who remembers their position that they have and what the gospel has done in their mind, and they're of one mind. They realize that we have something, and his name is Jesus, what he's done in our life. But they have one mind, one focus, one purpose, one place they're looking. Are you looking up? Are you looking up? Are you looking for that blessed hope? Are you remembering the Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know why he's tarried? Because there's folks to come to know Christ that would come to know Christ as their Savior. And he's tarrying for that and that alone, and he's given us time to reach them with the gospel. And that reality that he's coming again, and when he comes, you and I, first he's going to call us out of here, and he's given us every moment and every opportunity to share the gospel because there's folks that would come into Christ. And the call is that that would be our focus. That that would be our focus. Our mind. Where's your mind at? What is your focus on? Is it on this world? Love not this world, neither the things that are in the world. There's the call, Lord, don't, don't fall in love with this world. It's okay to enjoy the blessings that God gives us in this life, but they should never become the focus of our attention. God blesses us, and, he, and we enjoy those blessings and the goodness of God, but they're never to become the point of the Christian life. 
The Lord Jesus Christ is the point. Serving him is the point that we would have the same mind, that we'd have the same focus, that our eyes would be focused on glory. One day he's coming again. The lost need, this, need Christ and the saved. One day we're going to stand before that judgment seat of Christ and be held accountable for what we've done with our life, our focus, one mind. He looked back at this church at Philippi as he wrote from a prison cell, and he said, I want to hear of your affairs. when I, And if, if, I'm, if God lets me come to you, and he would write, he, in, earlier in this very chapter, he said, I have a desire to part. He goes, I'm in the straight betwixt two. I have a desire to part and be with Christ, but he also had a desire to be with them. And, and he would say, if God allows me to come and I hear of your affairs, I hope I hear you remembering your position and having the, the right position and the same mind and the same focus that every one of you ought to have. A focus on Christ, a focus on his return. And I would say this, Christian, I think, as he wrote to the church at Philippi, the same should be true of us. Where is your head set? What is your mind set on? What is your focus? Is it on his return? Is it on folks coming to Christ? It is on that fact that you will stand before that judgment seat of Christ and using every available moment in whatever vocation you may have among the people that God puts in your life to realize this fact, they're going to spend an eternity somewhere and I have the answer and I'll be held accountable with my life. Because it's a certainty. And the Lord calls us to have one mind, one spirit, our position in Christ, one mind, our focus. And then he says this, our labor. He says that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. Ephesians 4.16 says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. In Philippians 4, 3, he would write, And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellows, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and with the other my, my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Folks that labored with him, and, and he calls us to labor in our service for the Lord, to find that place of service and serve, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Every Christian meant to have a means of serving God. They're not all the same. God didn't make us all the same, did he? Some folks will usher. Some folks will work and will minister at the altar. Some folks will take up offerings. Some folks will serve in a Sunday school class or a junior church or work on a bus route or in a Christian school. We'll serve in various places in different locations, and we grant grace to one another as our past cause because we recognize something. We are all going about the same business, and every one of us, is, when we're in the, our places of service, never forget the call to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, to labor to strive together. Friend, are you striving together for the faith of the gospel? Who have you shared the gospel with? Where is your place of service? You know, Christianity is not a spectator sport, is it? I hope you enjoyed your watching football this weekend or whatever sport it is. I see the Emirates. That's soccer, right? All right, soccer over here. You know, none of us were on the field this week, were we? None of us right? We were in the stands. That's not the way Christianity works. In Christianity, none of us are supposed to be in the stands. All of us are in the field. It's the flip side. 
None of us are meant to be on the outside looking in. Everybody is supposed to be on the inside serving God. To find whatever means I can and serve God if it's... Boy, if you, if you can't run a bus route, but you can pray, then pray. Find a place of service. Serve God. That is the call. To labor together for the Lord. For the sake of the gospel. And he would speak of their position. He would speak of their focus. He would speak of their labor. And he would speak of their courage. Look at verse 28. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. Boy, they lived in a day when the lines were clearly drawn. (laughs) When he spoke of adversaries, he knew what he's talking about. He was talking from a prison cell. Rome was his adversary. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were their adversaries. They were being persecuted for their faith and the refusal to worship any other God than the Lord Jesus Christ. And he would speak this fact. He would say their, their opposition, he, he would say in that verse, he, he would say it this way, and he said, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which to them is an evident token of perdition, their doom and their destination, their opposition to the gospel was a token of where they were headed. But to you of salvation and that of what? God. He said, but your adversary to you is a reminder of something. You have salvation through the Lord. He said, don't be terrified of your adversaries. Don't be worried about who you face. He said, because there is a victory that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. Yesterday, for most football teams, they... They played a cakewalk team, didn't they? They purposefully chose it that way. Matter of fact, you could see it in some of the way those teams played, no doubt. They chose an easy team. It's the first week. Obviously, that wasn't the case for these Christians. They didn't face off against an easy opposition. Many of them would give their life, be separated from their homes and their families. Paul would write about it. When he persecuted the church, he went into strange cities delivering men and women into prison for their faith. He gave his testimony against them, delivering them up unto death. He said he was injured. He enjoyed it. He would take mothers and fathers, husbands and wives, and throw them in jail for their faith, making homes, children fatherless, and mothers motherless, all because their parents were Christian. That's serious opposition. And Paul wasn't the only one. They face an opposition that would, that could cost them their life. Paul would certainly eventually give his life. And he would remind them, he said, don't be terrified of your adversaries. Don't be terrified of your adversaries. To them, it speaks of their destination. They don't know Christ. They're not of the same spirit. They aren't headed to the same place. But to you, when you see that opposition, you remember this. There's one who provides salvation. I was reminded as I thought of that of Corinthians and 1 Corinthians 57 said, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that great chapter on the resurrection, isn't it? 
Paul would go on and on about the resurrection and what it meant to us, and, uh, and then he would conclude it. But God has given us the victory. And what is the call of the victorious Christian life? What is the call of what we have in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? To be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. He said, you remember this something? You have victory, so live like you have it. Live like you have it. To have courage in the Christian life. To keep going for the Lord regardless of the opposition that we face in the Christian life. He says this, there is a purpose. We strive together for the sake of the gospel. Or we should strive together for the sake of the gospel. Are you striving together for the sake of the gospel? Are you striving? Uh, you know, there's a couple reasons I give. I had offering came by today, gave my offering. Number one, I've given because just because how good God's been to us. Amen. I, I don't know how you don't give back after God's been so good. I, I really don't. When you think about how good God, God gives us the call to be a giver, and we know that, and I don't mean to, to, to linger there. There's a step of obedience, but, but we give because God's been so good and gracious to us, because he's faithful. It's a step of obedience to worship our God. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's not the only get reason I gave. I gave for the work of God, right? I gave so buses could run and tracks could be printed, so lights could stay on, that John and Romans could be assembled, that missionaries could be sent. I gave because I want to see fruit and fruit that abounds to my account. Are you right? Am I right? We gave to send missionaries to places we could not go because we were striving together for the gospel. If I can't get there, I want to send someone who can. We have a purpose. We labor together because we have a purpose. You know, never forget, Christian, you're here on purpose. God left you here on purpose. And every Christian has a place. And he talks about our position. You could probably give me a reason for why you root for the team you root for. And I could tell you this. I got a good reason for why I'm serving Jesus. His name is Jesus. I remember when I first decided, May of 1995, Madera Baptist Church, Cincinnati, Ohio, on a Wednesday night, I went forward and trusted Christ. My life has never been the same. I remember as he gave me specific direction that, that, that night of youth conference in 1999 as I was getting ready to join the army and the Lord spoke to my heart. I didn't put you here to be a soldier. I didn't put you here to be a businessman. I put you to be a preacher. And I made a decision that night, or a few nights later, I would serve the Lord. I want to be in his service. Are you serving God? It may not be full-time ministry, but where are you serving God? Where are you serving him? Striving together because of our position, because of our focus. Where is your mind set? I remember working with a fellow, and this was a lost man, but he would, live, he would work for his weekend. You ever know anybody like that? I mean, his determination was that he was coming in on Monday tired. And not because he was going to do all kinds of bad things. Boy, he wanted to go kayaking on the lake. He wanted to travel. He wanted to look at things. He wanted to accomplish things. He wanted to be somewhere and do things. And he, he worked all week long so he could have those on the weekend. And I thought, you're going to ache and wake up one day empty-handed. Friend, we don't work all week long so that we can enjoy the blessings 
we serve God each and every day. And we enjoy the blessings he sends along the way to renew our strength so that we can keep serving God. Where is your mind? Where is your focus? Is it on the things of God? Is it on his return? We should use the blessings of life to restore our physical strength so that we can keep serving God. There's nothing wrong with leisure. Go get rested up so you can serve God. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the things of life. Get rested up so you can serve God. Our focus is on the eternal. It is not on the temporal. Where is your mind? The call is to remember our focus, to remember or or to remember our position, to remember our focus, to labor for our Savior, and to have courage in this Christian life as we face opposition because the victory's already won. The victory's already won. We are serving a God who's already won the victory. For the lost, it's sad. They've already lost. They don't know it. Defeat's already been there. The sentence has already been passed. They're just waiting for it to be carried out. And it'll be a gloomy day at that judgment seat if they don't know, or at the great white throne judgment if they don't know Christ. For the Christian, we're already a victor. We're struggling. We're fighting in a battle won at Calvary in an empty tomb. And we're just waiting to enter in with the victor, the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Remembering your position in Christ, having a mind that's set on eternity, a labor of striving together with God's people for the sake of the gospel, and courage for whatever comes our way. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you, and I thank you so much for the goodness of the Lord. And I'm thankful for the opportunity and the privilege of singing, serving the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I, I know it's a simple message tonight, but I pray that our focus would be set on you. Lord, that as we have been reminded of our position in Christ, we would labor together. We would focus our attention on the eternal. Lord, whatever things may come our way, the battles of life, that we would have courage knowing that we have a God who gives the victory. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me ask you this fact. Let me ask you this. How many of you know that you're saved? You're a preacher, I know that I'm saved. There's a time and place in my life I trusted Christ. And I could give you a Bible reason for why I know I'm on my way to heaven. That's a settled thing for you. If that's your testimony, would you raise your hand just between you and I and the Lord? You say, preacher, I know that I'm saved. My position is settled. Thank you. you. may put your hand down. Is there anybody here this evening say, preacher, I'm unsure about it, but I'd, I'd like to know that my position is settled tonight. I'd like to know that I know him. Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Anybody like that? You say, preacher, would you pray for me? Let me ask you this question, then how many of you would say, Preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart? Maybe it's just a reminder of your position in Christ, the reason we have fellowship, the grace that has been extended to you, and the grace you need to offer to those that are around you. Maybe it's a reminder of this, where is your focus at? How easy it is to put our attention other places than the Lord. And get caught up with things of this world rather than having our attention on the eternal. Maybe it's just that laboring together. Do you have a place of service? Do you have a place of service? Are you serving God with your life? Maybe there's a battle in front of you, and the Lord reminded you, I, I have a victory in store. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. But if you'd say, Preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart, would you raise your hand as a testimony? And would you stand with me as the pianist plays, as the invitation is given? Do business with the Lord this evening.